who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Sidewalk Audio presents Shadow Magic. A podcast novel by John Lenahan. Read by the author. Chapter 30. A Decision. The ensuing battle didn't amount to much. At the moment Kilty's ring misfired, most of his crack troops were standing on the ramparts of the eastern wall, watching Lorcan's army approach. They were killed in the blast. The battalion that had been sent to meet Lorcan legged it back to the castle when they saw the explosion. The imps and the leprechauns charged after him. During a fierce battle in the courtyard, Dahi killed their captain with a knife throw, reportedly from fifty yards away. Without any commanders, Kilty's army surrendered. Maybe their banshee sixth sense made them know that they had lost. At sunset, most of the mopping up was done. Lorcan ordered all of his troops to muster in the courtyard. Aeen gathered the servants there, too. Many of them she had saved by telling them to evacuate the east wing. Dad and I climbed to the upper walkway. At the top of the stairs, he said, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask for the lawnmower back. I handed it to him, and together we walked to the edge of the railings. In his right hand, he held aloft the major rune of Dor, and in the other hand, he held the sword of Dor. The roar that went out was deafening. After several tries, Dad silenced the throng and put his arm around my shoulder. People of the land, he shouted. This is my son, of whom I am exceedingly proud. I give you Connor of Dor. The crowd just went crazy. I used to want to be a rock superstar, but after that experience, I'll take being the son of the two-handed prince any day. The week that followed was mad. Reconstruction on the Eastern Wall started immediately. News of Dad capturing the throne and regaining his hand spread even further than if they had television around here. Dignitaries poured in every day to meet with Pop. 
Mom and Neve spent most of their time tending to the wounded. Dad would wheel me out periodically to meet Lord Who's It or Lady What's-Her-Name, but other than that, I really didn't have much to do. I got tired of everybody gaping and bowing to me everywhere I went, so I spent most of my time sitting in my room trying to piece Kielty's wooden box back together and thinking of Fergal. So when I heard that Lorcan was returning to the Hazellands to clear out his old headquarters, I jumped at the chance to go. I overslept on the morning we were supposed to leave. I still hadn't gotten used to the luxury of sleeping in clean sheets and in a soft bed. I ran down to the courtyard to see a stern-looking Lorcan and his guard all mounted up waiting for me. I ran into the stables to get Cloud. Acorn was still on the disabled list. And imagine my delight when I saw Mom saddling up. Are you coming? Neve can handle what is left of the wounded. And more importantly, I have not spent enough time with my son. Cool, I said. Yes, she replied. It is pleasant out. Araf came in and chose a horse. Are you coming too? Yes, he replied with one word more than usual. Lorcan set a swift pace. I think he was trying to punish me for being late. Cloud seemed to be obeying not only my commands, but my thoughts. I'm not sure if it was because he was responding to the glorious morning, or I was becoming a pretty good equestrian. I'd like to think it was the latter. I didn't imagine it was possible, but the place seemed even more alive than before. The air was crisp and clear, and the colors of the landscape were more vivid than ever. It was as if Tirnanug itself knew that the proper order had once again come to the land. We camped that night out in the open on the edge of the Edithlands. Lorcan's guards sang songs and passed around some sort of leprechaun brew that made me feel shorter. Mom told tales of the feely and shadow magic. You could see how delighted she was that these things were, by the order of the new king, no longer forbidden. The only one who seemed not to be enjoying himself was a raff. I went over to where he was sitting. You seem awful quiet tonight, I said, and when you seem quiet, that's saying something. Quiet, yes. That's the problem, he said, staring into his mug of leprechaun shine. I would often pray that Fergal would just stop babbling so, so I could have a chance to think. I never imagined how painful silences could be. Yeah, I said. I miss him, too. We sat for a while in painful quietness before I said, You know, I can babble on as good as anyone. And I did. I told him all about the real world and my life with Dad, how we lived in Ireland and then England before we came to Scranton, Pennsylvania. I explained TV and shopping malls, and soccer and baseball, hamburger joints and airplanes. When I had finished, he said, You have devices that 
toast bread with a touch of a button, and machines that fly? It surely must be a magical place. I laughed, and then I thought, maybe he was right. I spent the next day riding abreast with Mom. She told me about the history of the Hall of Knowledge, her childhood in the Hazel Lands, and stories of my grandparents. By the time we were ready to camp for our second night, she had just about gotten to the part where she had discovered her home destroyed. The rest of our party sensed the seriousness of our conversation and left us alone. It must have been horrible for you, I said. I can't even imagine what it must have been like. To be honest, son, I was so consumed by rage, I do not truly remember much. I knew the feely were the ones that could help me with my revenge. As it transpired, they did not help me with my revenge, only my rage. So now that you know the Banshees came from the Reedlands, do you think Kilty had anything to do with it? I would be lying, she said, if I thought it did not cross my mind. We knew he is capable of terrible things, but he has done one thing for which I am truly grateful. He brought you back to me. The next day we rode parallel to the Blackthorn Wall. The thorns pointed at us in respect to Mom as we passed, a creaky, vegetal Mexican wave. When we reached the scorched border of the Hazellands, Mom stopped, dismounted, and stared into her former home. She looked lost. I dismounted and stood beside her. Are you okay, Mom? I have been back here twice, she said. Her voice betrayed the slightest of trembles. The last time was with you. We had pressing business then, and I performed a feely concentration trick on myself so as not to think about it. The time before that was when I found it destroyed. Hey, if you want to go back, Mom, I'll ride with you. She turned and smiled at me. A pain smile, the same expression I had seen recently in the mirror when I thought of Fergal stealing my shoes. Thank you, son, but no. I have delayed this too long. But first, there is something I must do. Lorcan? She called to the guards who had been waiting a respectful distance away. Bear witness to this. Mom stood with her back to the thorns. Lorcan and his men dismounted and stood at attention around her in a semicircle. Mom drew her U-wand and spoke. By order of Oisin, chooser of the Rune of Dor, I forthwith lift the banishment to the Feely and once again grant all of the people of the land the freedom of the Feely lands. She touched her wand to the blackthorn wall, incanted, and stood back. 
Nothing happened at first. And then began that spooky creaking sound. The sound that usually means the plant is about to kill you. This time, the thorns parted, leaving a huge archway, large enough for at least four horsemen to ride abreast. Although they were standing at attention, Lorcan and his men strained their necks to get the first glimpse of the feely lands in a generation. And a generation is a long time around here. The ominous Rowan forest was lush and shadowy, the exact opposite of where we were standing. It took a moment for our eyes to adjust to the dark, green-leaf-filtered light. A gasp went through the crowd as Fawn appeared, like some TV magician's optical illusion. She seemed to appear right out of a tree trunk. Behind her, dozens of other feelies seemed to fade in from nothing. Fawn stopped at the edge of the archway. She looked at Mom and me and said in that soft voice of hers, I have never been outside of the feely lands. Well then, I said, I think it's about time. Fawn stepped, blinking into the sunlight. Mom turned to me and said, Prince Connor? Prince Connor what? As senior representative of the House of Dor, she said, announce the Queen. Oh, I said, clearing my voice. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen and imps and leprechauns and whoever else, I give you Her Excellent Royal Highness, the Queen of the spookiest folks I've ever met, Fawn the Feely. She's a great cook, too. Lorcan and his men saluted and then cheered. Mom looked at me and shook her head. I guess I have to work on that princely stuff. Yes, you do, Mom said with that disapproving look I cultivate. Mom and Fawn embraced. The soldiers broke ranks to shake hands and feel their first feely. We all mounted up. Fawn rode with Mom and a group of feely jogged along beside us like presidential bodyguards. The small contingent that Lorcan had left behind had been busy. The stones that had made up the ruined Hall of Knowledge had been stacked as if in preparation for rebuilding. Mom went to work immediately. She helped organize all the documents that had been found and insisted, for some reason, that every piece of parchment, no matter how small, should be saved. That night after dinner, I found Fawn and Mom in Lorcan's old headquarters, engrossed with shadow magic. I hate to bother you, Fawn, but can I borrow my mother for a little while? Of course, Prince Connor. When Mom looked at my face, she asked, What is it? Come with me. I have a surprise for you. I led her out of the room past the wall with the stained-glass window and stopped her before we entered the courtyard. Dahi gave me a hazelwood stick that had belonged to Liam. Oh, I remember Father giving that to Dahi, and he gave it to you. That was nice of him. Yes, it was, I said. 
The first time I was here, I left it behind in the courtyard. I'd like you to see it. We turned the corner together. I was shocked how much it had grown. The last time I had seen it, my staff had sprouted tiny green shoots. Now it sported full leaves and had grown over a foot. Mom dropped to her knees and placed her hand on what was once my weapon. She removed her hand and beamed at me. Tears sparkled in her eyes. Lorcan thinks it may be a new tree of knowledge, I said. He is correct. It is. It's a miracle. She hugged me. You, my son, are a miracle. Ah, oh, shucks, Mom. It was nothing. If not for that nagging feeling that something was missing, which I knew was the absence of Fergal, the following few days were the happiest I spent in the land. I helped the imps and the leprechauns shift rock, organized paper with Mom, and even did a little gardening with a raft. The night before we left to return to Castle Door, I asked Mom if she was going to reopen the Hall of Knowledge. That is not a task for me, she said. This is no longer my home. My home was destroyed. That is a job for another. You, perhaps? Mom, I'm 18 years old. Some think that Youth has a certain kind of wisdom. Her eyes twinkled. I didn't like it. No thanks. One Professor O'Neill in the family was quite enough. I was loath to leave this place. Not just because I enjoyed it so much, but because I knew I was now forced to make a decision. During most of the ride back, I wrestled with comparisons between the real world and the land. When we reached Glendore, I let everyone ride ahead, except for Araf, who insisted on remaining as my royal bodyguard. Oh, my, my, Mother Oak said to me as she swept me into her limbs. You have a difficult decision to make. Yes, I said, and... I don't know what to do. Oh, my poor dear. I can feel the conflict inside you. A choice between the heart and the brain, is it not? Most would say one should go with the heart, but I have touched many a brain that has regretted that decision. Well, what should I do? Oh, dear do not ask me. My advice would be to grow bark and sprout leaves. Oh, there is nothing I would love more than to calm your mind, but that decision, I'm afraid, my son, is yours. I hugged Mother Oak, climbed down, and dreamily mounted Cloud. But I didn't go anywhere. 
I sat there thinking long enough even to try Araf's patience. Finally, he asked, What do you want to do now? I think, I said, making my mind up on the spot, I want to buy a new pair of sneakers. You have been listening to Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. To hear more of their fabulous music, please visit their website, www.lunasa.ie. That's www.lunasa.ie. For more information about Shadow Magic or its author, please visit www.shadowmagic.co.uk Thank you very much for listening.